And now, Remba explains. Hello everyone, this is Rembert Explains from New York. First one in New York, and I am here with my good friend, colleague, all this other stuff that's dope, Jamila Lemieux. What up? I'm Jamila Lemieux. How are you? I'm honored. That's great. I'm very happy you're here. Um, the last one I did, I went 10 minutes before I realized that I probably should let the person introduce themselves. Okay. So who are you? Like, what, what do you do? I'm a writer, I'm an editor, I'm an internet resident and troublemaker <laughs> and accidental provocateur. Yeah. My tweets can be seen sometimes in purposeful provocateur. Sometimes purposeful, but you know, like like 2% purposeful. Like 2%. Like the things that I try when I'm like being deliberate in my provocateur yeah. identity, it doesn't get any traction. Yeah. Like <laughs> when, when I, you're like trying to get it like Semi-popping? When I'm like, trying to get it semi-popping, it's like polite retweets. And when I'm just like trying to live my life, it's when, in the New York Post. That's when... That's when it goes That's down. when you like actually get That's when it actually <laughs> happens. Uh, so we... Um, the format is talking about two things. Things that you are into right now. Right, right now. Right now. And things that you are no longer into. Okay. Which is different than things you were never into. Things that you were once into... No longer. Deaded. Um, and the first one, first thing I'm into, which I feel like you have an opinion on, is fur. fur. I'm in like a fur coat moment right now. It's a moment. It is freezing outside. and You need a second skin. I need a second skin. Um, I have maybe, the, maybe now the most like politically correct opinion on real fur because I come from a, a line of women that appreciate real fur yes. and that's rubbed off on me and thinking about like this winter I see myself bringing a fur back from Atlanta um, do you you do own a fur I, I own multiple furs I love fur, I'm from Chicago yeah. so that's the conversation could end right there, it gets Two degrees. Mm -hmm. You need to be ensconced in luxury and glamour and yeah. warmth all at the same time. And fur is absolutely the best way to do that. I um, I wear exclusively vintage furs, um, <laughs> not because I care about animals as much as I'm poor. Yes. So for now, uh, I, use, I wear used ones. But I also think that's cool. Like, if you have an issue with fur, it already exists. You can't put it back on that you, animal. You can't. It's. You can't pass that animal back up. You can't put them back together. So it's like, should we just let these furs... Just that's, rot? That would, that would handle my guilt. Absolutely. The, the, but, like, the very small guilt that I have. That little, I'm not saying tiny I have bit like, of guilt. Like, the little guilt I, guilt I have is, like, this... It's already like, there. It's just, I mean, you're wasting it at this point. Now this animal or these animals have died for absolutely no reason if we're just going to burn it. And, you know, the good thing about being a big, tall black girl is that there's nobody in PETA who is going to run up on me with a, a can of water, yeah. let alone a can of paint. One of my favorite things about both inaugurations, because uh, it was so cold so both cold. times, I remember, like, one of my early Facebook albums was just Black Women Fur, <laughs> fur. 08, <laughs> D.C. It was so good. People were just, like, out to show their fur. And, like, with the hat, the gloves, like, those random, like, tail things, you yes. know. Um, but, yeah, I, like, I... 
it started off as a joke. I was like, I'm going to go in for Thanksgiving and bring back a fur. Mm -hmm. uh, that was like a joke when it was like kind of warm. And then yesterday, <laughs> and then when yesterday. it was like 10 degrees, I'm like, I'm actually... I think you'd be gorgeous in fur. I appreciate that. I always tell you how much you remind me of Morse Day. And so there's just something about <laughs> you, something about your look, your, your glorious curls and your warm appreciate smile. That. that lends itself to fur. You deserve it. One fur story that I have, and I think you'll appreciate this, is my aunt had a friend, Mr. Mallory, who sold fur. And, like, whenever my mom would, like, drop me off at my aunt's house, like, we would immediately go to <clears throat> his, like, fur warehouse, mm -hmm. which like, looked like it was, like, 200 years old. And, like, my aunt would always, like, leave with a fur. And I never saw any, like, transactions happen. <laughs> Uh, but I was just kind of accepted it as yeah. like, oh, like they're friends. And then we would go to church on Sunday, mm -hmm. and my aunt would roll up in like that fur that I saw her pick up on Saturday. And after church, like five women would be like, where'd you get that fur? And she would be like, oh, you should go talk to Mr. Mallory. And like at the time, I was like, "Oh, this is just like my aunt being a fur mom. like a fur like." But no, I was like, "That's just my aunt being like nice, like recommending something." Then like it hit me, I was like, "My aunt is just like out here. She's like the middleman. She's like the connect." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like Mr. Mallory was giving my aunt furs to go bring business back. Yes, and I think like. All the furs that have like spread out throughout my family are like like dirty furs, <laughs> like, like, which I appreciate. Yes. Like whatever fur I bring back is probably Mr. Mallory. Mr. Mallory fur. Furs um, are special for Black women. Yeah. And I think it's time for you all to join us. I'm there. I'm in, like ten days, New York. I like I will be out here in a fur. Um, all right. What's um? It's your turn. I want you to. Pick something that you were no longer into. Something that used to be like your 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 speed, like your main thing, or something you enjoyed, but like no more. That's not hard for me. Um, in my advanced age, I'm fi I'm 30 and a half. So advanced. 30 and a half. So advanced. And I'm finding myself becoming increasingly curmudgeonly. So I don't really like anything anymore. Uh -huh. One thing that I'm really not into that I used to enjoy uh, is debating with people on the internet. And you're, you're off that. I'm off. Well, I'm not off. Like, I can never be completely off of it because it's part of what I do. Does it not make you sense? happy? Like, does it, like, not give you that? It doesn't really give me that little thing anymore, you yeah. know? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much, there's but so much pleasure that you can derive from being right on the Internet. Yeah. Because what do you win? Like, you know? like did it. I did it. I, I told you. I was you. right and no one's going to yeah. care about this in Nobody's going to care and you're going to vote for the same person and you're going to be the same asshole and you're going to be just as sexist or just as racist or just as mean or just as wrong yeah. as you were um, when I met you. But I don't know. Something about it has just really gotten I guess I'm feeling what a waste of time or, or what an exercise in futility it can be. Yeah. You know, like do, we're, we preach to choirs. Yeah. Do you feel like as I guess maybe your profile has gotten larger than, say, it was a year and a half ago, or you know more real people in, like, people in real life, or people, more people know you in real life. Mm -hmm. it, it, I guess, kind of like the anonymity that you once had right. when you're just, like, a person on the Internet, as that slightly decreases, do you think that has anything to do with it? Or is that just... Yeah. It, or is it kind of just like you... Like, you do anything for too long and it becomes boring. I think 
say it's a little bit of both. I think that the more my profile increases, um, whatever that means, whatever that means, it's, it's so hard for us to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're, we're nobody, yeah. we're nothing, we're you know. Um, but there are people who want to debate with me not because they disagree with what I stand for, but because I'm me. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that, you know, like I have no problem. I can debate with you because I respect you and we mm -hmm. don't see eye to eye on everything. We agree on a lot of things, but we can have a debate in a bar. We can have one. We're unlikely to have one on the Internet because yeah. we know each other. Exactly. But if we were to do that, that'd be OK. But just that people like want the attention. You know, I had someone say the other day, thanks for the retweets, getting my follower co uh, count up. And I'm just like, is this why we're talking about something that's really important to like, me? It is. Like, that's the like. One of the things that I was going to talk about that I am into mm -hmm. right now, but this is like directly related, is like taking whether it's beefs or you know wanting to question someone about something, like taking that private. Yeah. Like it, it was like one of those moments where I looked up and I was like, most of this is just like performance art. Yeah. It's like if you really. If you really, really had an issue with someone who is, like, not that far away from you in terms of, like, how to contact them, right. like, and, like, the point is that you want them to actually behave differently or change or, like, maybe question why they did that, like, is the best way to publicly air them out and shame them or is it to, like, figure right. out their email in, in two seconds? Right. And email them. Uh, I'd go with the latter, you know. <laughs> and um, I think that's part of the reason that I tend to, for as provocative and, you know, controversial as I can be, I get along with most of the people in our business because when I have an issue with something that, a, you know, someone at another publication has written or said, nine times out of ten I'm going to reach out to them directly if I think it's worth engaging them in a conversation, you yeah. know, if I think that they'll be able to receive it. Um, you know, there's certain people that are, don't necessarily get that consideration because we just kind of know them to be villains, you know, yeah. or th if there needs to be a public correction around what you said, like when the woman from the New York Times called Shonda Rhimes an angry black woman. Yeah. You know, there's no negotiation for us to have. She's not going to respond to me. She's not going to receive it from me. And it was worth the world at large knowing why she was wrong. And it was less about her uh -huh. than it was this messaging that's common yeah. that you repeat it in a very public way but you know if it's, it's it's somebody who's working across the street from me or you know at a rival publication or for someone's blog it's it's not impossible to reach them via email even if you're not a writer so it's not just yeah. that us writer editor people can have these conversations in a respectful way but you know just saying hey i i don't think you're the devil I'm not okay with what you said. I'm also, like, not perfect. I'm like, not perfect. I have, I have, I have mistakes. I have made mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I think, and it's, it's, it's one thing when someone has a history of doing really vile, messed up stuff. So that woman had said things before that had triggered people. So for me, it was like, you know what? I'm going to publicly acknowledge what I took issue with. And I wrote about it. It wasn't about yeah. me calling her out on Twitter. I wrote an article in response to it. But when somebody who has a pretty solid history of being on the, you know, the quote-unquote right side yeah. and at least trying to do the right thing, when people are so excited and ready to take them down yeah. for one tweet or one article or one misstep. Or, like, one line from one article. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing that kind of kills me sometimes yeah. because so much of it, like, kind of a terrible world we live in, but, like, a very real aspect of the internet is like there is like a hierarchy yeah you know and the ability for lots of people to see what you say 
matters, you yeah. know? And so if that's being used in a kind of bullying manner, yeah. especially to someone who doesn't have that, that wrote something that doesn't have the ability to equally yeah. defend themselves, like that is like that's something that, like I've I've seen ha- play out many times, and you know even when I didn't agree with the thing that was written, I was like, this, this is just like way. this is just like not even a fair fight. The other day, Piers Morgan had written that uh, article about why we just need to let the N word go so <laughs> the white folks can be nice to us, yes. like he wants them to be, and he retweeted a young black woman who I don't know who agreed with him. Just, you know, like, hey, I don't understand why you guys are so upset. Something yeah. along those lines. And so I retweeted him. I retweeted his retweet of her and said, oh, he found one. Right? Yeah. And so I was point. I was really pointing the finger at him, not her, because he was cherry-picking through all these people yes. who were giving... Yes, and he found, like, he found someone to give him that cosign. To like, give him that yes. cosign, like, I knew I wrote this for a reason. I got it. I knew that. Yeah. And people who followed me started attacking her. You know, and I apologized to her. Yeah. I um, these weren't necessarily people who I had engaged with on a regular basis, so it wasn't like me texting or DMing somebody like, yeah. "Hey, like, just chill out on her." But you know, I apologized. I said that's not. And I asked my followers not to, and I hate calling people followers, but people who follow me on Twitter, yeah. I asked them not to bother her. You yeah. know, I said it's not. She's not the, the issue. The issue is with this piece of writing that Piers Morgan, whose profile is bigger than anyone in this room, yeah. and can certainly withstand criticism from a few, you know, disgruntled black people yeah. who he was trying to tell what to do with their mouths. But also, he, it, he, he is now like aligned himself with, like, obviously gaining like strength off of yes making people angry which is like a whole nother world of the internet which is like world. a terrible just a, it's a dark place it's like to. it's a really dark Don't place where like you want people to take issue with you take issue with his you. haters are his motivators at this point as a world-class journalist who has now become yeah he's a he's like he's like a, a, a twitter egg <laughs> he's a twitter he's a, he's a twitter egg Piers morgan's a twitter egg um he's retired from television to spend more time <laughs> focusing on his twitter career <laughs> yo that's that like life comes at you fast comes life comes at you so, so fast. fast so fast um there are two things that i do want to talk about that are topical to right now and um is just kind of swallowing up all of my attention and many people's attention. Uh, the first thing is Ferguson. Um, you are going back. What is pushing you back? I can't stay away. Yeah. I, um, I felt crazy coming back. Um, the first time. I think I came a few days after you. Because yeah. I remember you encouraging me and you were like, you should do it, go. Yeah. And I went and I left and I came right back and then, you know, pulled that a few times and each time I come back to New York I feel like I'm not where I should be yeah I don't I can't explain that because I'm not the best journalist down there I'm not the smartest person in the room I'm not leading the activist charge I'm somewhere between observing and reporting Mm -hmm. um, and trying with the platform that I have to help control the narrative yeah um, and, and to make sure that people really do understand that the, the largely young people who are on the ground leading this charge are, there's been so much done to paint them as these very volatile, dangerous, reckless 
you know, unreasonable people who yeah. are looking for a reason to write. Which, like, who, couldn't be, like, further from... I mean, it's, like, are... it's like, insane, like, how... how easy it is to just make up something. Yeah. About, like, a very... Like, a very a sizable significant, group sizable group of people. It was, it was, like, a very real thing where I was, like, worried if, like, another big issue happens... Like, Ferguson, we will be talking about that thing that happened. It'll just get, it'll just get overshadowed. Right. But if Ferguson makes it, like, if people are caring about this after, like, a month, a month and a half, like, it's going to be here, like, right. until, until. Until. You know? But I, I didn't know if it was going to happen. But, like, y'all, like, y'all, like, the people who have not left because this is your home, y'all actually overcame like a huge barrier which was like keeping a story relevant which mm-hmm. is so hard like it's, it's it is crazy like it, it you can't there's not like a blueprint about how to do no. that you just have to you just have to you have to do things that like are very like you have to you know go to sporting events and like like get people to notice you there you have to like get noticed in every single right piece of American culture. I think that's why there was so much disappointment in the greater hip-hop community or the music community or the entertainment community yeah. uh, for the s- serious silence around what's yeah. happened there. Um, more silence around this than any other issue we've ever seen. There, that didn't happen with the Gina Six. It didn't happen with Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. You know, so for this moment where it's so easy to kind of insert yourself in some, or to assert rather yourself here simply with an Instagram picture or a tweet or something saying, I support this or I'm troubled by this. It matters. It really matters. You know, and so I I think that if folks like us don't support what's happening, you know, the narrative quite easily can stay with rioting, violent, dangerous, you know, citizens at risk. But the bigger issue is letting the dominant narrative be what we believe to be true, mm. which is that black communities are over-policed, um, aggressively policed in ways that speak to a lack of understanding and mm. respect for black humanity, yeah. you know, um, that we are presided over by police officers who fear us. And so... And, and not only that, but that fear is taken into account when you have an officer involved shooting. So for someone to say he feared for his life, therefore deadly force was justified, well, if the idea, the pervasive narrative is that black people are inherently scary and yeah. threatening, puts, you know, particularly large black men, then this will continue to happen over and over, over and over again. And I think that, um, you know, this young man, Michael Brown, gave his life, lost his life, and that loss of life, I don't want to say it's for a reason. I just, as a mother, as a human being, I'm not okay with the idea that yeah. he died so that we can yeah. X, Y, and Z. But through his death, I think we do have an important opportunity um, to challenge the role of the police in not just the black community, but in this country in general. And so... Because I have a platform, because I have an ability to talk about that, I um, I'd like people to see what's happening through you know through a lens that is very biased and and very clear where I stand. But I also know that I've developed a voice that there are people 
who listen to me and who are interested in what I have to say and, and the lens through which I'm building communicating. Trust is, building trust is a very real aspect of this job, I think. Just one last thing I wanted to add, and I think I've thought about this a lot, that if I didn't, I don't want to say if I didn't work in media, but if I wasn't very sharp with my media literacy, which is something that I've worked to do yeah, before I even was in this field. That was something that was critical Again, for something me. that doesn't happen overnight. Something that does it not takes, happen overnight. Yeah. It takes years to filter out, um, you know, the truth from the opinion and, mm-hmm. and the complete lies from the facts. It would be hard for me not to think that at the very least, those first few weeks were extremely violent on both sides and not just the actions of the police. If I looked simply at what is being presented in the largest media outlets, mm-hmm. CNN's, MSNBC's, the, you know, um, those folks, if I simply looked at that, it's impossible. It's really impossible. You have to have such a critical eye and you have to be able to engage citizen journalism and pay attention directly to the people who are participating in this work and also being able to filter out the the one or two people who are there as deliberate provocateurs, you know, whether they're live streamers or activists or activists, you know. The people who are are acting as if they are there and aren't even there. And they're not there, right? That was was the real... When I saw that happen, I was like, this... Like most things, yeah. again, is becoming performance art. It's becoming performance art, but you know, it's um, it's important that people, I think, like you and I, are there to balance the narrative in ways and kind of speak to the more. Though we sit, I guess, on the left mm-hmm. of, of what we know of the world, that I think that in this case we are somewhere in the middle in a meaningful way. Yeah. One last thing that I want to bring up is Bill Cosby. And I bring it up because, and I don't, not because I necessarily care if you, like, is he innocent, is he, like, that stuff. It's more of a, I think this taps into, like, a very real idea of denial. The slow nature of people kind of coming out and... I guess accepting the fact that he did it almost suggests that because it was Cosby, this like, you know, pillar of respectability and also like American dad and, you know, good person, it makes me wonder like if it shakes people's cores in a way that they think like, well, if he is capable of doing something this terrible, like, is like is everyone like I don't, it's like I at first I thought it was simply oh well like it's Bill Cosby and like I grew up loving him and so the idea of him doing something terrible just like messes with my head and like I don't want to believe it but I think it's actually deeper than that and not necessarily a oh like Bill Cosby like people are saying Bill Cosby has been raping women for years am I worried that I could become a rapist? Like, I don't know if it's, like, necessarily that line, but it's... I do think it taps into this world of, like, if this person that seemed good was actually bad, like, is everyone capable of being bad? I think our commitment to celebrity worship is so great. You know, celebrities are our church. Great as in massive. Massive. Not not as in... 
Yeah. <laughs> we need to, awesome. We're doing a great job at this. We're good at this. Uh, no, it, it's serious. And I think for somebody who, you know, many, many people in this country were introduced to as a child. Right. Uh, you have a show that was one of the definitive sitcoms, one perhaps the definitive family sitcom of every, you know, of, of all time and has kind of helped set the tone for what we know as sitcoms. And that's why there's so much conversation in recent years about the lack of sitcoms, particularly black ones, because there was nobody that looked like that. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the things that he stands for in his personal life that we know of and his commitment to black colleges and, you know, the respectability politics, it, it shakes you to your core. I mean, it, it, it's difficult to it doesn't make sense. It doesn't you know, make sense. this is the one of the most heinous crimes that a person can commit. And somebody who we've known to be one of the most beloved figures in this country who happened to be a black man, you know, and there are not many, you know, beloved black men in this country, uh, especially those that are not anti-heroes, right? So yeah. it's not a Jay-Z or a 50 Cent coming from what we, you know, what America typically wants to see from, yeah. you know, a, a young black man or even a baseball uh, baseball or basketball player. For these things to uh, allegedly have occurred, I don't think it's just saying, well, am I capable of that? Am I capable? But just the idea that Anything that I believed but could not touch, see, or feel for myself yeah. is up for questions. Everything at up for this questions. Point. Everyone's up for questions. So if he's capable of that, then what about your dentist, your preacher, your your you know the school teacher who's with your children all day? It's um, it's jarring. And as somebody who did not deal with the accusations when I first heard them in a meaningful way. And I've done a lot of self-reflection in, in recent weeks about why that is. And I think part of it that was articulated pretty well, I think, an article for either Gawker or Jezebel, was just this general sentiment that most of us don't want to live in a world where this person is capable of those things. Yeah. You know, needing something to believe in, needing someone to look up to. And I think that even though a number of people, in our, particularly in our community and particularly younger people, have had a bit of a change of heart in how they view him because of the respectability politics and, you know, his reaction to Trayvon Martin's death and George Zimmerman case being pick your pants up, be respectful, be good, you know, very similar in tone to Don Lemon. Even with that, um, you know, I think there are things that we kind of give elders a pass on in terms of respectability. It, it is impossible to reconcile Cliff Huxtable with who Bill Cosby allegedly is. It, it will never make sense. I don't think any of us will ever really find peace with it. Um, I'm more concerned with peace for the alleged victims, you know, yeah. if these crimes took place. I think what makes it so different from R. Kelly, who I've been so vocal about for since 2002, right, about it, yeah. um, is that his, R. Kelly was not a good guy. He was never America's guy. He was like, never not, America's guy. Not at his, any point. On the background of Aaliyah's album cover, in the shadows, with the words, age ain't nothing but a number, and 14-year-old girl in the, fork, in, in the front, and a creepy old 27-year-old behind her. And we know that we're in a relationship, in this, they're in this relationship. He's like literally giving us signs the entire it's a, time. It's like he's, it's not even like a subtle hint. It's like, like arrest actually, me. It's on a bulletin board. It's me. Like, I'm, the I'm guy. not good. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Unfortunately, there is a, 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 a lengthy list of very talented artists that weren't, that like were not great people. Right. And like did really terrible things. Cliff Huxtable, Bill Cosby is not a, that's not like an entertainer. That is a is an archetype of, of of 
American, you know, black American, father, mm-hmm. middle class, like every single thing that always fell on the right side of history right. can be aligned with him. I think one of the questions that happens, like, does it erase everything else? Like, everything he's done. Um, Yeah. Um, I think that Bill Cosby has a legacy that uh, won't be erased by this, uh, which is complicated, you know, because we do erase people, and sometimes, dare I say, rightfully so. But the impact... I, I think of a different world even more highly than I do the Cosby show. And the hand that he had in that show was significant. And this show increased enrollment and application in uh, applications to HBCUs across this country. So not just the big ones in Atlanta or, or Howard. So that changes the course of life for generations of people, not just individuals. I don't know how much space I have for Cliff Huxtable anymore. You know, I I I've, I've flipped past the show. I can't in the watch past, it anymore. And it's like that's and that that is very unfortunate. But like that is just like I can't. I can't. The co- I think that the Huxtable family should be remembered fondly by history. But it may not be something that exists in perpetuity in the way that we thought that our children's children's children will be watching these shows and yeah. reruns because I think that our generation is going to largely just have to reconcile what happened and turn away from him. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm getting to a point where it's just like, like no characters, like, like yeah. taking away all characters. It's just like, it's like back to just Bill Cosby, and like this is like it's just over. It's just it's, kind of, it's just it's, just, it's sad. It's sad. Um, well, yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I hope me. you come back. Uh, this is Rembrandt explains. Uh, next time we will end on a higher, happier note. But. Uh, Yo, life comes at you fast, and it's, it sucks sometimes, but great. Thanks. Stay warm. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts. <laughs>